Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we're going to have our good friends from the Source Pages podcast, Brian V. Klein and Haley Hobbs, coming over here to talk about uh, kind of comparing and contrasting the comics versions of Secret Invasion to what we got in the show. Um, so, uh, you know, I thought it could be a lot of fun. Uh, and just always love having those guys over. So we're going to do that right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and today with me, uh, we have our two good friends uh, from Source Pages, Haley Hobbs. How you doing, Haley? I'm great. Happy today. I was going to say the day, but then I know this won't come out on that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I just changed my mind. <laughs> It'll come out on Tuesday, so you can, like, pretend. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Look at that. It's like this is live. See into the future. <laughs> I'm happy today. Yesterday I wasn't, though. But. Yeah, I thought that's what you are saying, too. Actually, I have major Sunday scaries today. <laughs> no, no, just because, like, uh, Monday's coming? Is that what yeah. Sunday scaries are? Oh. Yeah. I'm a musician, so mine are the exact opposite. My, like, big date, my work days are Friday and Saturday, so I'm like... And I work at a college, and the students come back tomorrow, so I have to get up early and get a parking spot. <laughs> Oh, oh, getting started at college. Yeah, I got you. I got you. That is some scaries. Well, Brian V. Klein is also here. How you doing, Brian? I'm I'm also happy today as well, but <laughs> I'm right. usually happy all the time, and I'm doing great. <laughs> good, good. Well, welcome. We're glad to glad to talk to you guys on Tuesday. It's really good. <laughs> and uh, let, let, so, yeah, we're just gonna have a loose conversation about uh, Secret Invasion and sort of like things that like were from the comics that maybe you uh, liked that they sort of dropped in there, some references or anything like that, or some things that you like missed that like the biggest thing I I, I keep saying, and this is from a guy who's completely. Uh, illiterate um, from of the comics. Uh, Don't sell yourself short like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I have not I have not read any of the Secret Invasion stuff. <laughs> but the biggest thing that like from just what I've seen and heard about Secret Invasion is just the scope is so much different. Um, mm-hmm. It being you know such a smaller self-contained. This feels a lot more like an average Marvel thing where there's a villain doing a thing instead of like. You know the tendrils of the secret invasion reaching out into all of the, uh, the verse. So, but but it, tell me, tell me what I what I have wrong, what I have right. Like, what are the secret invasion comics like compared to this? A lot grander. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it very much like I think they basically made a micro version of it for the show because it focused on basically one character coming in and sort of causing the problems and everything with on the scroll mm-hmm. side in the comics versions. Now, both of them actually, the original one happened was 2008, mm-hmm. I think. And then the second one was recent and it technically is like a sequel to it because they referenced the first one and what they did wrong. And then the second yeah. one was more focused on, we're going to do what we want. It has some of the, I mean, like I was joking about beforehand, mm-hmm. things that are in common are Nick Fury, the scrolls and Maria Hill. That's right. really about it. And, right. But it was 
the first one was pretty much just the scrolls are coming in here. We don't know how to figure out who is who. You know, Reed Richards ends up finding a way to, to you know determine who's a scroll, but it's just like, but the, it's it's a Secret Wars um, scope of every character. You've got Wolverine, you've got the X Men, mm-hmm. you've got the Fantastic Four, you've got the whole scope of it's it's an event type thing. Whereas right. this one was pretty much just like very it was like a microcosm of that whole thing just put down to like let's blame this all on nick fury is what this show mm-hmm. seemed like pretty much like yeah we talked about this a little bit a little bit last week on another episode uh where uh, one of our one of our people writing in said they just need to stop naming shows after the comics run because mm-hmm. if this had been named like i don't know scroll time the, the scroll. Or yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> like uh, or something like I mean, Gravik's Revenge, or yeah. like whatever. Like it, it would have felt different than like the expectations would have been drastically different for sure. It does set up certain expectations for the people who know the comics material. If you don't, then you're not quite as worried about that. And I don't know if Marvel thinks that more of their audience doesn't read the comics than they do. I, I don't know. They could have done something very cool with the 2022 issues that we read which are focused on the scrolls, Maria Hill and Nick Fury. And it's this kind of cool story about how somebody else is using the scrolls for their, to their advantage, which Nick Fury could have easily been placed in that role. And there's still some outliers that are against this, like the scrolls helping the humans. And so there's that struggle. We read that. And we we're like, Oh, this could actually be like really where the show's going to go. Cause at that time mm. we still didn't know. And then they just really didn't do that. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it it started that way. The show did. And then it was like, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to give Gaia all the powers. The end. Well, yeah. And, and as, as, as a non-comics reader and like someone you were saying that like Marvel thinks that more of their, uh, more of their fans may not read the comics. And I think that's probably true. I just think there's Maybe, less people that yeah. read comics. Well, I just think like literally there's the, the market share on comics is much smaller than these movies. Sure. These movies literally are oh, pervasive yeah. through the entire society, and the people who actually read are sm- a smaller group. And that's totally fine. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't have to read the comics to enjoy this content. To put that in the scheme of things, if a, if, if a, if a, if a comic sells a million copies, it is a, a record breaker. If a movie has a million people go to see it, it's a bust. Right, yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much the comparison <laughs> between the two. Absolutely. Well, my, my point is that like, even as a non-comics reader i still have these expectations like i still have seen uh comic book covers over the years of like secret invasion mm-hmm. with like all of the heroes scrollified you know mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's yeah that's what secret invasion is like i have a, I even me not reading them has a sense of what that is to go back to what that guy was saying about that though is that i guess it's execution too because it goes back to civil war captain america civil war is not like the comic run in itself it has to do with the the um the difference between the sokovia accords and the superheroes saying who they are i mean you have to reveal yourself but the execution of the movie civil war was a lot better than the execution of the secret invasion as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. i can say this right now secret invasion if you've listened to is by far my least favorite marvel thing that's come out in a long time it's my least favorite show that was Mm. on disney plus it just didn't have something that it it, it seemed there there was to me there was nothing really compelling about it in the sense that especially because when i'm watching it and a lot of times i'm looking at other stuff going like 
why is this happening at the same time and no one's noticing it? Like when they had the big gunfight with the uh, scrolls and um, the president when they attacked him the first time, I'm like, these guys are literally turning into scrolls right next to the Secret Service or whatever, and no one's noticing it. Like, how? What is going? So I think to me that's what it was. Where hmm. Civil War, the movie Captain America, was just a fantastic movie. That's true. It, but it also laid the place. This could go back in two, three things from now after the Marvels. We see because especially like the thing that they drop at the end, like oh, the Kree want peace. Really? <laughs> is that where the end game of this thing is? Is that the Kree want peace? And that's where I mean, it. it I, I could see this being a like a, a linchpin to something, but for right now, I'm, I don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's that whole thing of like. We've said it over and over on on, bo- on, on both uh, MCU cast and Multiverse News that like it just feels like this show is focused on the overarching story they're going to tell in the future at some point. Like the creation of Gaia as this hero and Sonya introduction, Sonya's introduction, it all just feels like it's heading toward Thunderbolts and mm-hmm. and Secret Wars and Kang and like all this, like it's all <laughs> heading toward future stuff and it's not focused on telling us like a really good story here. The best thing that came out of Secret Invasion for me was Sonya. Me because too. I love that actress. I love pretty much a lot of stuff. I've been following her for years, especially because I watch a lot of British stuff that she's been on. Yeah, and same. Since she got in the lim- limelight, it's like, oh my god, this is great. She is becoming, and she played it so well in the show. I mean, I can't yeah, really, I the, agree. The, the actors did what they did. I think the Secret Invasion, the writing was just a, a subpar. You can't complain about the acting, though, on some of the big-name guys, because they acted their asses off. But Yeah, see, that's the that thing. Really take you so far. I hate it so much. Like, <laughs> you saying that, that, like, this is your least favorite Marvel thing in a long time makes me so sad, because I think that, like, I think there have been Marvel projects that have been less quality overall. But this one not landing the plane after having such high hopes uh, for it and having such great talent. And like you said, the acting is just killer. It just really is disappo- is a disappointing uh, thing to have to say that. And I, I feel I definitely feel more disappointed in this than I have in like anything Marvel in a while. Like most Marvel things, like they may not be my cup of tea and like they may not be perfect, but like I kind of, they kind of like hit where I expect them to hit, you know. Like this mm-hmm. one just like had some major whiff moments that really didn't mm-hmm. didn't work for me. Um, anyway, the, I don't want to just like talk about how bad Secret Invasion was. <laughs> what are some things that like are in the comics version, either version of Secret Wars that like you invasion <laughs> Secret <laughs> Invasion? Sorry, we we did that on There's like too many secrets all the time. <laughs> Would have been uh, nice to have been able to set up or whatever. I mean, I've said mine, that 2022, because the 2008 run is all heroes, and like we knew the show wasn't going to be that, and so it's okay to me that it didn't follow that storyline that closely. Absolutely, I just yeah. think there could have been more done with the newer the newer version. Um, they did have, like I think, the only direct page-to-screen thing that I saw, which Marvel will do that. If they're not relying heavily on the storyline, they'll still put some like page-to-screen stuff in there, and we can all be like, oh, the Leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio meme. Um, and in this mm-hmm. one, it was like when the newscasters thing montage is being done, that's directly pulled out of 2008 because it shows a bunch of them being scrolls and it uses figures like from that time, like Stephen Colbert and Barack Obama and stuff like that. Um, mm. So that was a You're good like, the The thing at the very end where everyone's being like attacking the scrolls. No, no, and no. Stuff? Um, back when they show like one of the news personalities is a one of the anchors is a 
scroll and stuff like that. That's kind of a two page spread in the in the book. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and so it, that that one was cool in the comics because it was just like ended up being some really weird. We're looking at like, oh my god, it shows like like Michael Jackson or something. Yeah. I mean, that's not who it was. It was just some no, random stuff. <laughs> no, but it was just like looking at like these people are like Oprah was a scroll. Scree. I think it would be the, the, some of the stuff from the comic. Yeah, the first one was so grand in scope that it was pretty much just like. Who's the scrolls battle royale type stuff? Because there is even some like when they were, especially because of course it's the comics when they were fighting in New York, and they had like they introduced like the super scroll. Now in the comics, super scroll the the one that was originally the scooper super scroll was one that was pretty much just took the powers of the Fantastic Four. So it would have like the stretching ability. So like one arm would be invisible. One arm would be like the. Th- uh, Ben Grimm's thing. One arm would leg would be on fire, and the other leg would be stretching because it would literally be the four Fantastic Four. A lot of stuff, and it's always been like this. And I think it's going to change a bit. Was that the Fantastic Four has been and X Men have been so uh, focal and important to a lot of these big events, but they've never been able to use them. So a lot of the stuff that you know, that's an easy way to figure out in the comics. Reed Richards comes and becomes involved, and there's going to be a solution somehow because it's Reed Richards and the guy is the smartest guy in fifteen multiverses type stuff. But it, like Haley was saying, the second one was a lot more. It was still a secret. This was the the first one was pretty much like it's secret invasion because no one knows who they are, but everyone knows what's going on. The second one was like, and even like this, at first it was like, it's literally like espionage, everything behind the scenes. You have to try to keep it low key like that. Mm. I just think that it was a little, the first episode of it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, Martin Freeman in there was just like, uh, great being Everett Ross as a scroll as whatever, but it was just like, especially in that room with the, the dude that was like Charlie's room from, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the strings and all the stuff. And he's connecting the dots. I'm like, this is frantic. This is how I want the show to be because it was a lot more focused on the players underneath it. Instead of go blowing into a grand scheme of things. I think in the show, it ended up just being graphics thing. And people were going along. Cause by the end, some of them were like, nah, dude, we're not, doing what you know this is this is yeah. wrong well and by the end it seems like he killed all of his acolytes you know like he killed all of yeah. his people um and and they they say the gloss over that it so many of these disney plus shows feel like there are moments that just like feel like there were rewrites that happened that we just never they didn't fill they didn't fill in the gaps with whatever rewrites or like not even maybe just re-edits because it seems like they're leaving something out like the whole mm-hmm. scrody of it all we've talked a lot about and the idea that like it seems like they were going to give us more information about something there but then they just didn't like who that just, scroll was or right right like anything <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who the scroll was, when he was when he was captured, all that stuff feels like it's stuff that we should have known more. Then you got things like Falcon Winter Soldier, where there's like the whole whatever the vaccine plot line and like the pandemic plot line they just cut out because it was too oh, close yeah, to what's going on. It feels like things like that were in this story too. And it's just it just feels like if you're gonna make major changes, you gotta do the reshoots necessary and just make the changes happen. Don't just like Oh, we'll just leave this line out because then it just things start feeling unfulfilled, and it just feels like sometimes like there's just not somebody fully like in the room protecting the script or something. That's the thing I thought too with the end with when they 
released all the people, and you guys might have brought this up, I just haven't had a chance to listen. Ross is there. Mm-hmm. The one was the scroll. So what happened because he was arrested at the end of Wakanda Forever for treason? Right. It was like yeah. was he let go and then they got captured by the scrolls again, or is this before that, or what? It's just like some of the That's time frame question. of it's just like I'm gonna look it up, but I think this comes after Wakanda Forever and the timeline based right. on Disney Plus. So yeah, this is like so, the last thing right now on timeline order. So what happened between Wakanda Forever? And Secret Invasion, how much time has passed? Mm-hmm. Like, just and, and in general, was he a scroll during that? Like, I mean, we've all been talking about Scrody because he's such a more central character to the universe and to Endgame and all that. But like, it changes the uh, uh, the meaning of Wakanda Forever a lot if he was a scroll that entire time. You know, like that, yeah. if that whole movie he was a scroll, but we don't even get to know that at this point. Or did they no. take him even from if he Wakanda? Won. Like, I don't. It's just. Yeah, because if he was a scroll, then he still had to escape from, you know, Val mm-hmm. at some point. And if he wasn't, he still had to escape from Val because he was captured and became a scroll. It was just like some of it, especially when he was involved. I, I, I looked at Liz and I'm like, either way, it's not going to make much sense. But mm-hmm. then I just like, I, I was just all hyped up into it. And then the more I went around, I'm like, I don't know if the people that made this show were involved with people that were making other properties at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, Marvel, again... They used to, like, tout that as a good thing. Like, oh, we let the creators have their freedom and stuff, but you still knew that there was a guiding hand in the room. And to Matt's point, I don't think there was for Secret Invasion. <laughs> yeah, did Feige just be like, yeah, I'll let them take control. Let, I'll, I'll look at this later on to see what happens. Like, oh, they released it already? I didn't think, oh, no, what happened here, guys? Come on. <laughs> yeah. You're making I, me look bad. I really do wonder about that, because it, it does, like... It seems like there's a lot of things they've done with Marvel where, like, maybe the amount of connectivity is unsatisfying. Like, oh, well, they didn't really give us enough of this or that. Uh, like, there's not enough. There's not enough connectivity for whatever reason. Um, but in this case, it just seems like they're they're bringing connectivity in. But it like sometimes that lack of connectivity kind of protects the property because if there's a lack of connectivity, there's not issues with mm-hmm. the two different shows conflicting or whatever. But it you almost it used too much connectivity to the MCU that mm-hmm. has already existed, and like some of the newer things, they all have connectivity, but not in the way that Secret Invasion did. Like I was looking up Easter eggs and stuff. I'm like, did I just really miss something just to make sure I didn't overlook something major for this podcast today? And like all the Easter eggs were mostly MCU related. They weren't necessarily, and there were a lot of them. And I was like, well, you're relying too heavily on stuff that came before without building something to come after this. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. Hmm. Yeah, and they've worked good, and I've said this a bunch of times when it comes to adapting quote-unquote stuff. Like, just say, for instance, the, um, uh, like, Hawkeye. That run that they did, they used a framework. You knew sort of what was going on, but they threw you enough curves to keep it interesting so they're not doing an adaptation. Because it's just sort of like, oh, yes, you know, you, there is more of those, like Haley said, those Leo moments when you're like, mm-hmm. yes, I, I get that. But I don't like it when it's a full whole cloth adaptation because you know the ending. Then. Yeah. You know, 
if, if you don't know what the ending is going to be, then it makes it more exciting when it does happen. But you still want to have some of it where it's just like, okay, why did they, like I said, why did they use this name when it technically wasn't that? They just used it because that's the thing that some people are more recognized mm-hmm. for, like right. the Secret Invasion name. But I don't think that's as strong as, like, Secret Wars is a stronger name. Civil War, Secret Invasion to them has been more like a, a recent thing, and it's sort of like, well, it's bringing the scrolls. It's the only thing that they've had, really, that the scrolls were involved with. So let's just put that name on there, and maybe people will, you know, mm-hmm. use it and come in. But now it's just like, yeah, that has nothing really to do with it. So They should have right. called us, like, Nick Fury... Scroll agents or something, I, I, which is that's a terrible title, but you know, just something. Nick Fury, agents of scroll, <laughs> agents of yeah. scrollers, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like just, and they should have made it about that. That that's a much more compelling story than the story they told. Man, just give me a Nick Fury story. Like yeah. it didn't have to be Secret yeah. Invasion at all. It could have used the scroll. Could have had the same framework, but it could have been almost like a Lost style thing where you're like, you're he's dealing with the graphic and the scrolls of it all, but you're getting a lot more flashbacks of how the scrolls mm-hmm. have been weaved through the timeline, like how they were helping at different points. And we got a little bit of that at each in each episode. There's a little bit of a flashback, but it was all yeah. very scroll based. I would have loved to see like how Gravik was helping him. Like, some of the, like, backstory of him and Gravik. But, like, the problem is, then it would have even been more unsatisfying that they never got to talk at the end. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just, it just really, I just, I, I yeah, I know. I, I, I'm <laughs> trying to not just retread over and over, like, the stuff I didn't like about the show. Well, let's talk about our favorite character, Sonya. Her last name yeah. is Fallsworth, which that is a comics connection to Union Jack, whose his original one is James Montgomery Fallsworth. I had to look it up to make sure I didn't say the right, wrong thing. Um, <laughs> and so we, it does look like they're setting her up in that kind of role, which is cool. Um, she was one of the stronger parts of the show. Yeah, I think they did a lot of stuff where there was, in my mind, weaving more in, because she was MI6, right? We don't. A hundred percent know that. Like sort of, but I think there's with her being involved and with the connections. I'm thinking that we're gonna be getting more of like the the Captain Britain core and stuff like that. Like a lot of those characters who were actually involved with a lot of the um. Actually, that's more in the uh, the Secret Wars uh thing that we've been doing with uh one of the, the the their family is like royals and stuff. But a lot of the characters that come out of that, like Spider Man UK and even like Captain Britain. I think had a lot more connections that they could work with like the Thunderbolts and stuff like that. And so the bringing mm-hmm. her in um, basically lays down the tapestry. I think it does have a lot more stuff, especially like you said with Sonya that can, or Sonya mm-hmm. that can, um, uh, she'll, she's definitely, I mean, you don't get a character or an actress of that caliber and not just have her be, I mean, she's going to be, I think as important as Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Val coming up as far as some of the stuff goes. It's sort of like a anti and because I mean technically the the uh, Contessa Val is a she's not a good guy. She's not a good person. So she in you the mean, comics she's like comics? she's evil. Yeah, she's like evil. So <laughs> and uh, a lot of the stuff with the Thunderbolts and especially now because I keep forgetting too that the fact that you know Thunderbolt Ross is Harrison Ford in the MCU now. Yeah. So what did I, what they could do with that, it's like I, mean, I, just, I imagine him sometimes with him being Red Hulk with just like, it and him just be like, yeah, Hulk's angry. <laughs> uh, like his typical Harrison Ford of it all, but then being like, 
Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, man, it's, no. it, I think they're gonna, they're probably just gonna get like someone else to do his Hulk parts. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I bet they're just gonna have someone, like, it'll look like him enough to like make it work, but like, they'll just have like Andy Circus come in and do the Hulk parts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have all of the facial recognition of Harrison Ford that they need because they did it in the latest Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they really did. We, we've joked about that on multiple podcasts. We're like, that's a very valuable face to have stored up like right? that, like ready to go. Like, they're ready to make a lot of content with that technology it's basically with a lot of these guys like back to going back to civil war with um robert downey jr they basically used his face from uh like weird science and other movies he was in so they have a yeah. ton of this old recognition and harrison ford's been making movies for 50 years mm-hmm. so if you got it's not like these older guys that are you know, i remember when they were doing the stuff for um Peter Cushing because he was Grand Moff Tarkin and they had to do the thing for Rogue One and they were basically just using his stuff that they made for Star Wars but trying to recreate it all these years later. With this new stuff they're doing now, the de-aging and other things like that, man, mm-hmm. it's like it's scary in a sense, but it's just like, well, you know, you can end up doing It's cool, but it freaks me whatever out. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's just, it I mean, me out. it looked great in Dial of Destiny. Yeah. I mean, they had it. It was that was a, the, probably the longest sequence I've ever seen in a movie that yeah. was that much. I mean, that was a good twenty minutes of him on the mm-hmm. train. And- I saw it pop up, and I was like, "Oh, this is just going to be a little like quick." little jaunt through the past to see give us mm-hmm. some context. I was like, no, this is the full-on opening action yeah. sequence is <laughs> yeah. going to be in the past and have him be de-aged like this. It was really yeah. Im- impressive and like like you said, it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. All this talk we've had about like AI and like not letting the new creators create new things using old whatever and like that's a different side of that, but it's like still there. Like it's still a fear, a fear that they'll just like keep retreading the same ground with the same actors that they buy the rights for their faces or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and like James Earl Jones, he's going to give the rights to use his voice after he passes to, or he right. already has to Lucasfilm, I think. Mm-hmm. But then yet yeah, we heard that like Marvel was scanning background actors in, was it? Falcon? There was one of the shows that came out early, they were scanning the background actors. I'm like, wait, why don't you have to ask their permission? So it's just because you ask the stars, that's messed up. That's why they're striking Mm. about it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, talking about Sonya Fallsworth, by the way, like, I am really fascinated about what what this uh, next Captain America, Brave New World, and um, the Thunderbolts is going to be. Because it seems like those are going to be companion pieces. They're coming one after another. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at least in the original lineup. We'll see what happens with all the strike and stuff. But uh, it, it's see, and given the t- context of Wakanda Forever, like, it, you know, we've talked a lot about how the, the Phase 4 lacked connectivity or whatever, um, but, like, those Wakanda Forever setting up, like, and, and not just Wakanda Forever, but also Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, setting up the idea that, like, America wants its own group of heroes to control. You know, it's not even mm-hmm. about uh, like the Sokovia Accords anymore. It's about America. America wants its superheroes. They want their team America, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Val seems to be the one orchestrating that. And then mm-hmm. you get to Wakanda Forever, and the same thing, Val is like trying to worry about American interests instead of, uh, you know, 
what the the greater good or whatever just for america she's just you know basically america first policies like that's what yeah Val's she says all about. she has dreams about what they could do with vibranium like a total yeah, yeah, yeah. conqueror like, creep <laughs> that's like i forget the exact line but it's so good when russ can you imagine what would happen if vibranium slipped into the hands of like america and she's like i dream about it yeah <laughs> what we could do with it like yeah it's it's so good um but all that is setting up all these things, and then you've got Thunderbolts and Brave New World happening, and you've got Sonya now as this force that came out of uh, this movie, and we know from comics she's this sort of British, uh, like you said, the what you call it, Britain Corps, <laughs> Captain Britain Corps, the Captain Britain <laughs> Corps, yeah, like the. There's a lot of act, a lot of characters, especially like with Union Jack and stuff like that, that are based with like they're British. So right, it makes me wonder if like. We're going to see more of that uh, kind of going forward with um, the different countries in the MCU getting their own sort of superhero teams. And then Brave New World seems like it might be like, what if all of these countries start to have their own interests and their own superheroes under their own control? Thunderbolts probably being one of those. And then you've got the stuff with Sonya collecting Gaia and maybe others. And then you've got like multiple superhero teams tearing the world apart because these superhero teams are, are battling it out, you know? Um, yeah. I think that sounds really interesting, and I, I, I'm sure it's been done in comics in some forms, you know, but I haven't really, I, that's not a story I know, or whatever, is there? It's basically like the government-controlled teams are like their own little personal, like, 10-man militia type stuff, Yeah, and they're there, and it's just like, because you can't have, you know, you don't have the foot soldiers for them, so you end up having like, okay, so Team America just uh, declared war against Team senegal or something and right so they basically go at it with their other one like their guy and it's just it's set up the same way as how a regular war would because some people that are their allies jump on their side and next thing you know you get you know but that's a little bit more on a personal level because instead of dealing with troops of millions you've got a team of 10 to 20 people that are just super powered to an extent and if at the same time you've got the mutant the x gene is like starting to proliferate and like all these teens mm-hmm. are starting to get superpowers. Then you've got recruitment into all these different super teams and all these. Uh, I'm really excited for that part of what the story sets up. The Sonya and Gaia of it all, like where they are and who they are going forward. I know there's been a lot of people shit talking this show. And we, we are definitely, this podcast is guilty of that. Um, but I really hope that Marvel doesn't do the thing they like to do, which is like, oh, people didn't like that show. Bury the characters from it. You know what I mean? Because I think, no. especially Gaia and Sonya, uh, two two of the characters that like are still around that were birthed on the show. Like, I want to see that. I want to see them in the future. I really want to see them in the future. Oh yeah, you pretty much couldn't do that with Gaia because she's like she's the super scroll now. She has the power of everything. They could say, Oh yeah, she ended up it was too much and she her head exploded. Boom. Or they not. could be like, Oh, they found a home world. They're on the other side of the galaxy now. You know, they could definitely like write her out if they needed to or wanted to, and I'm just hoping they don't decide to do that. Like they could put it in the Marvels. They could be like, Oh yeah, the Marvels, uh, we found they made peace with the Kree and now they're going home and like, bye Gaia, we never we never hear about her again. You know, maybe one day in the future there's a 
big war and we hear about her again. I don't but know. I can see like Val or someone, even Sonya, doing like suicide squatting them and putting like a brain implant in her head that if she does leave, you know, bye bye. Yeah. You know, you you might be powerful, but I control your power. The idea of all these uh, states with superheroes reminds me a lot of the boys. I was just thinking, I was going to try to mention it, how with the boys being like, there's minor league guys and major league guys of the, like with the different groups and stuff like that, where it's just like anyone out there is going to be superpowered. Yeah, well, anyone's going to be superpowers and these larger sort of organizations or states or in, in, in the boys, it's like companies, corporations, <laughs> uh, churches, like they all have their own superheroes. And it, it's just this weird thing. But uh, yeah, I, I totally totally see uh, this kind of heading in that direction, but it's probably going to be the level of state power. But I, I'm really interested because Disney is not very, not one to ask the big questions about like <laughs> American uh, colonialism and stuff. They're not like, mm. they're not no generally asking those kinds of questions, but I feel like the idea of Val creating the Thunderbolts as like an American first organization feels very like, um, divisive in a way that well, uh, not to me, but divisive in a way that uh, uh, Disney generally stands steps away from. Um, I think the idea of questioning uh, American like hegemony and colonialism and blah 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 that could all be very interesting. Um, and it's stuff that like the boys does, but Disney doesn't do that really. <laughs> I think they've given Marvel though because I remember when we were. This was a year or whatever ago when Haley and I were doing our lead up to the Moon Knight show. Mm-hmm. And we did the Lemire run and we're like, there's no way. This is too out there, too wacky, too, you know, it's not mainstream and it's it's kind of not, it's not controversial. I guess it does because it has mental health problems with it and, and involved with it. And then they did it. And we're like, wow, mm-hmm. that was a big swing for them because that's yeah. something that Disney normally does not do. And so... With them, and especially now, with Disney, I don't know how to really explain. I mean, you guys have probably seen it on Disney+. Plus. There's a lot of times, if you want to go watch Dumbo, it gives you a little bit of a snippet at the beginning saying, this was a product of its time. There are certain parts of this show that are (laughs) emblematic, blah, blah, blah type stuff. So they are very much aware of the past and things being what they were because that's just the way they were. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, in Dumbo, you do have the Jim Crows pretty much in that thing. Yeah. So, with that being said, I think they could take a look at some of the stuff, not directly um, acknowledge or discuss it, but do it in an MCU type of way to where it's like, yeah, this is our take on, like, what you were talking about with colonialism and stuff like that. And then it's just like, this is why, you know, a lot lot more people in our generation and even younger are realizing, like, yeah, we're just because if that's the status quo doesn't mean that it still needs to be the way it goes forward. It needs to be corrected. You know, we need to, you know, just take, even though none of us had personal, you know, involvement with that stuff, our, the fact that we are what we are has some kind of connection to the things back there. Like I remember talking about like when you were watching Lovecraft country, if you don't feel a little bit of guilt from watching some of this, then there's, you know, there's, there's that aspect that you have to realize that the past is the past, but it's like, it, it, it can be going forward. It needs to be recognized and be like, yeah. Know. Acknowledging those problems. I, you know, guilt, guilt is ne- not necessarily productive, but like, uh, there's a 
understanding is definitely productive and like I, yeah i'm all about that and i love shows that acknowledge that like lovecraft country lovecraft country is amazing mm-hmm. and i love marvel but uh disney doesn't normally do much with the uh i mean it, it, like before disney owned it marvel even like back in iron man they're really questioning the like uh military industrial complex you know like they don't do that a lot anymore um but before disney owned them it was like there's a lot in that movie about like let's stop making bombs you know let's stop putting giving america more power even iron man 2 you know um don't give the iron man suit to america you know like all that stuff and that's that sort of stuff during uh later later phases of disney sort of like drifted to the background it's not that acknowledged anymore now falcon winter soldier went right at a lot of those issues um in a bigger way I think that's the one that's probably most most prevalent with some of those thoughts. And that could have been them testing the water because it was on a smaller scale, but at that time it was a big thing because that was the second you know thing on um, Disney Plus, and mm. it was at the time when there was the Black Widow hadn't come out yet. It was just finally getting back after the pandemic, so a ton of people watched it. And that one was very. I mean, that you even saw that I think with uh, the reviews and the stuff that was coming, the feedback from that show that you guys oh, had. Oh, for that, sure. It was so you know there was a line down the middle, and you were on one side or the other, and it's it sparks discussion, and sometimes it's sort of like that. That's a good thing, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. We're marching towards secret wars, which really, if you look at it simplistically, is a dystopian tale. Because it's like this worst case scenario, what could happen when the worlds collide. And so all of these things that you guys are talking about are things that contribute to that sort of thinking and that kind of theorizing. And so we're Mm. going to get all these teams, all these different heroes, and maybe the mutants and stuff like that. And it's all going to get blown up when we do secret wars because... Everything is just crazy then. Right. Yeah. I think they are leading towards that secret wars in the MCU, like we mentioned on Swiss pages, is that they're going for the run, the 2014 run, where the 2015 stuff, where it was like everything gets pushed together. And then at the end, it breaks apart. And then that's how we're left with how that's how we can explain the X Men and Fantastic Four in the MCU now, because Mm. they were always there in some way, but not. And now they are. So. No, we're going to we go. get Fantastic Four before that, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I but, mean, but as far as afterwards, why, uh, you know, we were, oh, we were getting them. Um, regular verse. It, yeah, in the how, because they're, right. they're going to be coming from somewhere, and it all depends on, I mean, who's the, who's the the Reed Richards of the day? Is it still Matt Smith supposed to be Reed Richards now, or someone else? <laughs> that's, the most, uh, that's, that's the most, that's the biggest rumor <laughs> right now, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it could be really interesting, we've talked about this on the show before, but it could be really interesting if, like, they started the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in a different verse, which, I mean, obviously we already have one set of X-Men from a different verse um, Mm -hmm. that we are getting some connectivity to. But it'd be really interesting if we got a Fantastic Four movie and then, like, as the movie played out, you sort of realize, like, this is not the MCU. Like, this is a Fantastic Four movie, but this is not the MCU. Like, there's no Iron Man, there's no this, there's, like, no... So no one knows who like these people are, or what if like one of our characters from the MCU, what if Spider-Man gets like dropped into 
the Fantastic Four movie, and he had like traveled from another from the six ones uh, from one nine 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 nine, and like you're like, oh, well, what about Iron? What about Tony Stark? Is he alive in this universe? And they're like, who's Tony Stark? You know, like <laughs> it's like clearly a different verse. And then you get this like Fantastic Four that's happening in Earth, whatever. And then part of the collision is their verse coming over to ours, or whatever. Yeah, I think that, that could be really cool. As much as I sort of think that, and I've had talks with some of my friends about the multiverse and in DC, like the whole um, crisis type stuff, is a not a scapegoat, but it's it's a way it's it's a way that you can explain a lot of stuff. Sure, but it's also really cool the way that I mean, especially when they did it with Loki with the TBA and the yeah. timelines. But then they expanded it, and now it's like now the multiverse is out there. So yes, we can make ourselves a universe with any pieces we want. You know. Uh, separate the wheat from the chaff and just do the whole thing. And so the multiverse is tricky because it can be such a crutch and it has been mm-hmm. used that way in comics, you know, like as like, Oh, it's just time to reset. So what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh no, the multiverse is falling apart. Reset, you know, like, or yep. all these things. The multiverse is a great, a great way of cheating, like storytelling <laughs> kind of like, you know, it's like, it's a great way of rebooting. It's a great way of doing all these things. So there's these inherent dangers in using the multiverse because you could, you could fall on these tropes that like aren't compelling in the end. Like really when you use a multiverse to reboot, you're just, uh, you're just taking away the context of the previous things. It kind of sucks. You know, um, you're, you're removing a bunch of the storytelling from the story so you can do whatever you want now. Um, or retell old stories, which is also its own problem. That's the reason why comic books, Marvel and DC would do that, is so they mm-hmm. can put out number ones of everything. Because that track, if you're if you're a comic book reader and you want to get in and you see X Men number six forty four, you're like, uh, no thanks. But yeah, if you see X Men one, you're like, yes, I'm in. Yeah, it's a constant. Just br- it's to bring new f- blood in, and also, but the thing is though that like you say, Tony Stark has been. 45 years old for the last 60 years. <laughs> so ageless. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's that there's the inherent dangers of the multi of using multiverse, but there's also the problem of we've had some freaking killer multiverse stories told lately. Some of the best movies of the last few years have been great multiverse stories. I keep pointing out everything everywhere all at once. It's my favorite mm-hmm. movie. I love it so much. You've but seen then that you've movie got, before? I've seen it so many times. <laughs> um, and then uh, Spider-Verse is like a great use of the multiverse to like actually just question the whole idea. Both of those movies do a great job of questioning the whole idea of storytelling. And it like uses the multiverse like for what it is. You know, time travel. The best way to use time travel is to like question reality and like say like, what if you did make different choices? What happens if different choices are made on the timeline? And like, how does the butterfly affect things? And when movies do that really well, it's great. And then other <laughs> movies use time travel. And you're like, let's go see dinosaurs. And you're like, I don't care. But this, there's no like inherent emotional core to it. And I think the way to use multiverse is to really question like, who are we? And like nature versus nurture. And like, what 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 is storytelling and why why do we gravitate towards certain events like uh spider-verse does or like exploring all branches of reality and all the versions of ourselves we could have been like everything ever all at once but so often it's used to this sort of shallow version of the multiverse where it's just like oh we'll just use it as a reboot so it's a 
tricky from both directions. I feel like it's tricky because there's all these pitfalls and it's tricky because there's really great content out there now that like we're all going to compare whatever they do to, you know? As long as they set up, because they did it great in Endgame, where they set up the rules inherent to what you need to buy yeah. by in order to, they've sort of done that too with the multiverse in a sense. Well, that was more like the variance and the pruning and the TVA. That's all up in the air right now. For all we know, the multi the the, the multiverse, especially in like. Doctor Strange, it's just like anyone could be anyone, and it, there's multiples, which we already saw, but it's like we don't know what the extent of the multiverse is now that the TVA has sort of fallen apart. So Yeah, that's true. We have no idea what Kang the Conqueror or whatever has done, or whatever the, the Kang Dynasty has done to the timeline at this point, the using the power of TVA, yeah. Yeah, so so back to what originally we're talking about. Yeah, you go ahead and read like the Secret Invasion, the twenty twenty two run. It's only what six issues, uh, five, five issues, and it has a lot more of the grounded feel. The, the one from the early one from two thousand eight is more of a big spectacle, you know, big battle royale type mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. you can check out both of them because it is technically a continuation of it. But it's it gives you a little bit more basis of what some of the what some of these scrolls can do and uh, are, are capable of and what we know i mean pretty much what we know so far in the mcu is that they can change their appearance clothes and all and you know unless you cut their finger off <laughs> <laughs> and you guys did a uh, full episode on those right or a few episodes on we did Secret three Amazing. we did two on this 2008 version because it's eight issues just the core storyline we didn't read the tie-ins and then we did an extra issue or extra episode on the 2022 issues so if you guys are joining us and you want to hear more about the secret invasion comic books or any of the comic books that are source pages as it were for all these things check out source pages um Mm -hmm. uh, bvk and Haley talk over there uh Every every week about all these different source materials for all these different books and uh, things that we're all watching on screen. They're talking about how they how they connect with the source material and just talking about the source material. In general. It's a great show. It's here on the Stranded Panda Network. So go check out source pages wherever you get your podcasts. Um, anything you guys want to uh, want to say before we get off of here? I, I feel like we ended up more just like talking generally about the future yeah, of the MCU. That's and why stuff, at which, the end there I was trying to bring it back. Yeah, again, I know. But pretty much the. The crux for source pages is, is that we take comics and novels as primers or continuations or adaptations for movies or TV shows. Every time we do something. So last week we did a primer on uh, Blue Beetle. We saw Blue Beetle. And so the show that we're recording that's coming up now is going to be our review of the movie. And then we compare it to what we did as a primer. It's a review and comparison episode. We do that for every uh, everything we do a primer for, we do a review and comparison for. So, like we, uh, coming up, then we start. We're going to start doing a bunch of stuff for Ahsoka because that's coming out. Yeah. But we, I mean, we focus in on Marvel. We got Star Wars. We don't mind the distinguished competition and stuff. We do. We're doing Dune. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the whole reason why we started the podcast two years ago. We just. I don't know if you saw. We were on uh, our hundred and second episode is tomorrow so we just had our <laughs> yeah big i did I, mean, I did hear this that. little thing that we just started as just talking about it's turned into something that's you know 
been it's it, it, and it's still a blast. I mean, I do have as far as I'm concerned. No, no offense to Jeff on your part, but I've got the best podcast partner out there, <laughs> Haley. I mean, just the way that I think our dynamic between the two it, it's the same with you guys. We were friends before we did the podcast, so we have that general dynamic that you could use to make a. You know, it doesn't sound like a, a school lecture or something like that when we're talking. Except for the Silmarillion. When we did the Ina Linda Lay, yeah, I was basically talking about 45 minutes about it, like a, like a lecture. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook if you want to know what we're reading. I always post that before we do the episodes. You can read along or you can just let us talk about the reading material for you. It's a great show. Um, I don't read that much, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's always nice to like just hear the background, um, you know, of those stories, even if I didn't read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often wait till after the thing and then go back. And-, and a lot of people do, like they don't want to be potentially spoiled. And so they'll exactly, listen to us yeah. after and that's totally fine. We get it. So if you're a reader, it's a great like book club, and if you're not a reader, it's a great like context uh, podcast, which is awesome. Um, cool. Well, thank you guys for being here on the MCU Cast, and uh, we'll be back soon with more. Uh, we got a lot of cool things coming up on the MCU Cast. Uh, raring up for Loki, I'm very excited about Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick around. If you're just finding the show, please subscribe and all those things. Uh, we love you very much. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right, there's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you, guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 